The Start On Demand. On demand. The city of Winnipeg may soon study the possibility, just a possibility, of lowering the speed limit on residential streets from 50 to 40 or even 30 kilometers an hour. What's your preference? Reports suggest Winnipeg will be the hub city for the CFL should they play in 2020. However, CJOB Sports Director Kelly Moore says, let's just pump the brakes for a sec. Is the air conditioner in your car struggling in this extreme heat? And where would your ideal day trip Take you. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling, who's on vacation, and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Friday, July 3rd podcast for the start. Here's a headline that grabbed my attention this morning, or the question behind this headline, Loren, is will the return of the CFL play out in Winnipeg? Yeah, and it's been asked for a while because we knew back in May when the league first talked about whether or not it could even return in the midst of this pandemic or after this pandemic that Regina, Edmonton, and of course Winnipeg were all on the table according to the league as possible hub cities. Hub's basically been the formula for how all sports have pitched their returns, right? To have these central cities that would host the games. So yesterday, new reports service saying Winnipeg had been chosen as the hub city for the CFL if the league starts playing this year. So, Brett, we haven't confirmed this independently. We haven't confirmed that IGF would be the base for the CFL, and the league hasn't made any announcements on what the season would look like or if games are even going to be played at any point. But we do have some questions. And so who do we turn to for our answers? CGOB Sports Director Kelly Moore. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, guys. Hello there. I think when people look at this, Kelly, we hear a lot of excitement because there's so much anticipation for a return to sports. But when I brought this up with you this morning, you suggested that maybe I should pump the brakes a bit on this one because there's nothing definitive yet. Well, for sure. And, uh, you know, we, we've had Wade Miller on uh, quite a few times on the radio station. You guys have spoken with him as well. And, and whenever the Hub City proposal has been brought up, Wade has been very, very uh, cautious in his statements about how that can work because you you have to take a look at the fact that uh, with the way things are right now and even if they do open up further here in Manitoba, the best case scenario is that you'd have to have socially distant seating in IG Field. So your revenues are affected by that. You would get some TV money, but you would have the cost of housing nine teams and you'd probably have to have the winnipeg blue bombers in the same situation as the eight other teams to keep the playing field level so to speak not to mention all the extra expenses that go into safety protocols uh and in trying to keep these players in a bubble so it is a mammoth task and then when you weigh that against the backdrop of what is also going on south of the border right now and that a lot of players who perform in the Canadian Football League are currently in the United States. And we're less than two months away from the start of September. I'm not trying to be a nattering nabob of negativity here, but <laughs> there there does have to be some realism attached to this as well. So that is a might if is a little word, but it's a it's a mighty big word right now that uh yeah 
if there is a season, then the games uh, sound like they would be played in Winnipeg. And, and I think for anybody who's been following this story closely, that would not come as a great surprise. Winnipeg really does make the most sense uh, with how well we've done to, to flatten the curve here in this province. Now, you mentioned that uh, the possibility of having uh, socially distanced, physically distanced uh, fans in the stands should games play out here, but other major sports leagues like hockey are looking at uh, a just TV formula, right, where there'd be no fans in the stands? Right, yeah, and, and, and certainly, you know, from the NBA and the NHL perspective, their TV deals are lucrative enough that it makes it at least feasible for them to play their games without fans in the stands. But, you know, the Canadian Football League has certainly made no bones about it. It's, uh, it would be really, really difficult for them to do that unless they were able to get some kind of government assistance. And a story just came out yesterday from Dan Ralph of the Canadian Press. Uh, he spoke to the sports minister of Ontario, Lisa McLeod, and there is no commitment whatsoever from provincial or federal tiers of government that they are going to come up with that money that Randy Ambrosi, the CFL commissioner, asked about back in May, I guess it was, uh, for the $30 million initially, and then the potential of $150 million if the season isn't played. So that's not even close to becoming reality as well. So, uh, yeah, it's... The, the challenges really do seem to be stacking up against a, a, a 2020 CFL season, but... As uh, Yogi Berra says, it's not over till it's over. Yeah, you got to have some hope, and I guess that's what fans might be hanging their hats yeah. on, so to speak, Kelly, when it comes to the CFL. And and quickly before we let me go, if we can switch to the NHL, because that is something that seems more plausible in the weeks ahead with most of the Jets now in Winnipeg, as we understand it. Right, yeah. They, they've been arriving uh, on a fairly regular basis. They, they expect, I talked to a team spokesperson yesterday, and they expect to have most of their players they they didn't say all they said most of their players in by the weekend the expectation is that they'll open up uh, Bell MTS Iceplex for the phase 2 small group training sessions next week and these are not going to be open to the public they're not even going to be open to the media so uh, anyone that is not directly involved with the team uh, would probably be best advised not to uh, not to head out there because uh, uh, they 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 want to keep these players in a bubble as much as they can. Uh, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet was reporting last night uh, that the uh, uh, the players and the staff are going to uh, quarantine for seven days before uh, any of this even gets started. So. Uh, and, and that would certainly make sense. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that's the first step. But before we get to you know steps three and four, there still has to be ratification of the extension of the existing collective bargaining agreement. That has not happened yet, so that has to happen. And then the league will make an announcement. They'll officially confirm Toronto and Edmonton are hub cities, and they'll probably actually have dates for when the uh, play and. Uh, series, those best of five series to get into the first round of the playoffs uh, would actually start. All right, Kelly Moore joining us live on 680 CJOB. Kelly, thank you very much, sir. And you can wait. I wish I had better news for you guys. I really do. But uh, just as as the young kids like to say, and I think I've even heard Brett McGarry say this, just try to keep it real. Hey, I heard. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There is that, McNabb. There is that. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is away right now. We want to talk about 
your ideal day trip. Where would it take you? What would you want to do? Text us at 204-780-6868 because, Loren, as you mentioned earlier, we can't leave the province, but there is no shortage of awesome stuff to do right in our own borders. And I actually, every time we do these kind of conversations, I get completely derailed. I'm sorry, I had my mic sitting on the ground because I was already on a map trying to see how quickly I could get to Seven Sisters Falls if I could make that happen. Because I do love getting out to the White Shell, for example. I think it's a beautiful part uh, of the province. I mentioned trying to do drives uh, into Bruxelles and Notre Dame, some gorgeous little towns in there with cute shops and restaurants and so while you're talking there i'm like stop talking to me brett i've got research to do well seven sisters that is a spectacular spot i first visited there two years ago i went with uh, my then girlfriend at the time We, we we stayed at a place called barrier bay resort so it wasn't a day trip for us we were there for a full week but i'd never visited that part of manitoba and wow I loved that. So there is a great idea if you want to get... And it's not that far. I think it was under an hour and a half Mm -hmm. to drive out there. Uh, Kelly Moore joins us once again. Thank you, Kelly, for being so generous with your time this morning. What's your ideal day trip, man? Boy, I'll tell you, it's three yeses for Seven Sisters Falls because uh, I can't remember how long ago it was. Three or four years ago, uh, uh, Tim Hortons had uh, a a dinner and uh, it was for their uh, summer camps out there. And I know it was it was out in that area. I know I drove through Beausajour and I remember seeing the sign for Seven Sisters Falls and thought, wow, this is absolutely spectacular. Uh, and so I would definitely like to just kind of tootle around the white shell, maybe come down through West Hawk Lake and that sort of thing. Uh, I think that'd be fabulous. And then, of course, the other uh, one that uh, I'm surprised McNabb didn't mention this, but uh, you have to go up into Clear Lake, up through Riding Mountain National Park. That is just Brett, you hit the nail on the head when you said we have so much happening in our own backyard that uh, you can look at it as the glass is half empty by not being able to leave the province. But I'd prefer to take the glasses half full approach and say, boy, let's start appreciating what we have. Yeah, because that's how I've toured Southern Manitoba, right, is through my hobby. Like if Tristan's hobby is is hiking, for me it's golfing. And uh, no, I, I don't want to hope it, you're probably getting sick of, oh, God, Brett's talking about golf again. But I've, without golf, I probably wouldn't have visited all these wonderful spots. Like sure, Black Bonnie yeah. has uh, Granite Hills, which is one of the nicest courses in Southern Manitoba. Morden has Minnewasta, which is one of the most fun golf courses I've ever played. It's awesome. So I'm going there on Sunday. Can't wait for that. And it because of... Of that golf course, I got to drive through Morden, which I had never visited, and I love going to Morden. I can't remember what street it's on, but they've got this like crazy old house that is so ornate and beautiful and huge. And I think there's a neat story behind it, if I remember. So I'll have to try to look that up. Uh, what about you, Loren? Now, uh, so you mentioned Seven Sisters. Where else would you want to go? Oh, I think I'd like to get up into Nopaming or maybe back to West Hawk or Falkland Lake. I haven't done that in a while. Um, there is actually this website that I've discovered that has picnic suggestions of places you can go like through Travel Manitoba uh, to head out the city. And if you just want to do a day trip and support like a local restaurant, uh, they have that uh, listed. And so, I don't know. I think that for for me, it sometimes depends on the weather. Like if it's going to be cooler, then a hike would be awesome. But if it's going to be nice, you want to get to some water, right? And so that kind of defines how I might make that decision. But another place I really would love to get up to that I've never been is Hecla. Um, mm. 
and I've just heard so many good things and I've never actually been up there. I don't know. I've been up, I've driven up that way, just never made it to Hecla. So that would be on the list for me. And then actually a town that I think is super fun that people haven't been to, I haven't been to in ages is Suris. It is the cutest place. It's got the swinging bridge. It's got peacocks walking around town. I'm not really sure why, but it's like super enjoyable. And it's in Southwest Manitoba. So you could make that a day, maybe an overnight. I, I don't know. What's your threshold? Once you start doing about a three hour drive, each way, I feel like you, it, it's helpful if you can overnight. Yeah, the three. I think three hours would be the most for me. Hackla, by the way, is an awesome little place. And, of course, I've been there because golf. Forte, golf. we've got 45 seconds for Jeff Forte. I just I just want to do something simple. Maybe not even head out that far. Maybe go to Oak Bank, uh, hit up the Oasis, just sit on the beach, do nothing, and uh, head on down to, to Morden and uh, go to the driving. Oh, good call. And Oak Bank has that burger place, which is apparently renowned Cedar in Maine, I believe is what it's called. You mentioned local restaurants, Loren. That's actually something I'm hoping to do when I take a week off in a couple of weeks is head down to Oak Bank's. Sometimes when I go on social media, I feel like I got to get away. And it has to do with our question of the day at CJOB.com, which is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. The question is, City of Winnipeg may soon study the possibility of lowering the speed limit on residential streets from 50 to 40 or 30 kilometers an hour. What's your preference? 30K, 40K, or leave it at 50? That same poll with those same options is up at 680CJOB on Twitter. However, Loren, Facebook only allows two options. So the question there was, of the two lower speeds, which is your preference, 30 or 40, to which a whole bunch of people, like Brian here, are replying saying things like, this survey is not relevant. If you don't add leave it at 50 as one of your choices, you're not getting an accurate reading of what people want. That's why I asked the question, of these two, which do you prefer? Uh, so I have linked as well, the cjob.com if you want to weigh in. Uh, but as you suspected, Loren, uh, a lot of people just fired up about whether or not we should be driving slower on residential streets. And God help us if the city takes one of our surveys and uses it as a scientific snapshot of anything anyway. So we're asking for your opinions. Give them to us. You're giving them to us right now, uh, either via that poll or on our text line 780-6868 with a lot of people weighing in on either side of the equation, wanting city to stay out of this or, and, and focus on other things or people suggesting, you know what, part of our problem is we all assume that when we have a speed limit, we can go a little bit above that and that we're guilty of all speeding too much anyway and this might not be the worst idea. So, as you mentioned... The city is looking at doing this, Brent. Brett. Our boss's name is Brent, by the way. And I feel like I do this on a regular basis. Once a week, I call you Brent. That's okay. Brett. Councillors on the Infrastructure Committee, they're going to vote next week on a proposal that could see Winnipeg study the possibility of lowering the limit from 50 to maybe 40 or even 30 kilometers per hour. There are, of course, a few catches. And so to help explain what's on the table, we're joined by the chair of that Infrastructure Committee and St. Boniface Councillor Matt Allard. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. So let's set the stage for us. What's being considered here? What's the proposal? Uh, well, so it, it is, uh, I, I, would, I would describe this report as cautious. Uh, it's looking at, uh, yes, uh, addressing the question of residential speed. So the province of Manitoba recently gave us the power to uh, set our own speed limits. What they didn't do, however, and this is news to me, and this was disappointing because I thought uh, we could really move forward probably more quickly on this issue, uh, is that basically we need a sign 
at every single intersection. Um, and so that has a huge financial implication. It would cost about $8 million to sign the city at different speed, whether that would be 30 or 40 or any other speed. Uh, and also there would be the issue of sign clutter. So picture every single residential street, every intersection has got to have a sign up. So that's really not practical the way that uh, the law is written right now. So that's like issue number one, I think. Uh, but in terms of what um, is being proposed by the department with the existing uh, legislative framework, um, basically they want to pick, uh, they're recommending five streets, which are neighborhood greenways. So these are streets that are meant to be shared by cars and uh, bicycles as part of our active transportation network. So they're recommending we would try those out, those five in Winnipeg at 30 uh, and uh, basically evaluate that. And uh, that would inform recommendations. They hope to be able to study further the question uh, next year uh, through a consultant. So, uh, I mean, maybe taking another step back, if you look at why are we doing this at all, um, you look at uh, jurisdictions throughout the world. The trend is definitely towards reduced speeds. The trend is probably more towards the 30K option. Uh, and the argument for that is um, in terms of uh, survivability of crashes. And so basically uh, at 30 kilometers an hour, you have a very good chance of surviving. And um, if you any, any faster than that and your, your death tolls are going up uh, substantially. And, and as we know from MKI's uh, save the 100 campaign. We are, we're losing about 100 people per year on Manitoba roads. So this is all part of the discussion. So in the event that, uh, so you, you talked about those signs. So uh, would you be looking to make it so that you wouldn't have to put up those signs? So that's my number That's going to be my number one uh, request or, or fight, I think, on this report is really putting it out there uh, to, uh, to my colleagues uh, that I think we should be asking the province for the power to do this. What I... I've called it, I've heard it described as gateway signage. So basically, uh, gateway signage, you would be able to put up signs like at, uh, you know, take a neighborhood, for example. You could put the signs up as you're entering the neighborhood, and then it's understood then in the, inside that neighborhood, it's that speed, and you don't have to put up a sign at every single street corner. So that's going to be my number one uh, ask, I think, for my colleagues, and uh, and eventually I hope the province, if it gets through a council vote, uh, that's the number one problem i think and uh if we did have that though um uh, that's when we could really look at uh, citywide implementation so this vote uh, next week matt just so i'm clear you you want the province to help you on this one because right now under the highway traffic act if if they don't kind of waive that rule you will have to put up signs on every single street dictating what the speed limit is which gets costly uh, expensive and it's an eyesore that's if this goes full board throughout citywide in the meantime you are going to vote on these five streets and potentially study those five streets with or without province uh, response at this point that's that's right and uh, so we haven't had the debate at council yet uh, some of my colleagues will have seen these streets for the first time. So, I mean, I've got an open mind. I think what I'm hoping for is 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 a test, basically. Uh, and so those five streets are, are what the department thinks we should be doing. And, and another step back, I want to see, just in terms of why we're we doing this, uh, just, just want to share with people, when I was knocking on doors in my last campaign, this is one of the top issues that kept coming up. People are like, what can you do about the speed? And really the answer at that time was, well, you can petition for speed humps, or we can ask the police to do more enforcement. But, you know, those those things just have been working. So so anyway, I just want to go back up in terms of, you know, more of why are we doing this? People are re- routinely asking for this in our, in our inbox. I think the last public works meeting, about half of our agenda was on traffic studies. And those are generally to look at speeds, generally looking to reduce speeds. So people are asking for this. And, uh, you know, that's part of why we're doing it.
Matt, before we go, and we have to get out in like 30 seconds here, but you say five streets, which ones? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to go look at the report to tell you it's not in front of me. Um, but uh, five streets, uh, they're all in different quadrants of the city, and they're all neighborhood greenways. So those are the places where we're hoping to link that active transportation network citywide to these streets. So these are streets that don't have the protected bike lanes or anything. They're just the street where uh, cars and bikes are meant to share the road. So um, that's why the department's recommending those five. Matt Hillard, Chair of the Infrastructure Committee and St. Boniface Councillor, joining us live on CJOB. Matt, thank you for the time as always, sir. Yeah, thank you. Lines are open, 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a $50 gift card for Ron Paul Garden Centre. And while we're getting those calls lined up, Loren, uh, we kicked a bit of a hornet's nest this morning by asking the question about lowering the residential speed. People are, especially on Facebook, are so mad. Well, part of the problem, I mean, they're just, they just want to study at this, at this point. So I don't know what our aversion is to just finding out if it makes a difference. They're not saying that starting next week, we're going to go down to 40 kilometers per hour at every residential street. They're saying they've got five streets that they want to take a look at this. And I actually just got the, the list of streets just now, uh, Brett. So, uh, for example, Eugenie from St. Mary's Road to Uville, Warsaw from Fleet avenue to nassau matt mccray from fife to main street flora avenue from sinclair to king street the suggestion is that they take a look at reducing the speed there to 40 potentially even 30 for a stretch and see what impact it may have on collisions or other and so there's lots that has to happen before they get there but it feels like as soon as we bring up speed we're like nope not gonna do it like not interested don't want to slow down don't want to think about it why do i have to think about it you think about it like it's like okay take it easy (laughs) Like I, I want people's opinions. I think it's great, but no one's saying starting tomorrow, this is how it's going to go. They're saying that they're going to look at it. On the flip side, I do think part of the problem in, the, in, in this city when it comes to reduce speeds, and I'm thinking school zones, is that I want that data. Come back to me and tell me that it's made a difference in that stretch, that it, if it hasn't saved lice, it's reduced collisions by 10, 15, 20, 30%. And then I think more people would be on board. So therefore, this pilot project should be the way to go. Cast your vote at cjob.com. Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. The city of Winnipeg may soon study the possibility of lowering the speed limit on residential streets from 50 to 40 or 30K. What's your preference? 30, 40, or leave it at 50. Same poll is up at Twitter on at 680CJOB. On Instagram and Facebook, the poll options are only 30 or 40. Of those two, which would you prefer? Uh, because those two only allow two options. But if you want to vote for leave it at 50k go to twitter or cjob.com all right here's another question for a chance to win a gift card for ron paul garden center and i I like this about 16 percent of us have recently done this in their driveway what is it sherry good morning good morning in our driveway how many what percent sorry about 16 percent of us have done this in our have recently done this in the driveway. We've done this in our driveway. Uh, so the, 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 you can surmise that it's, this is pandemic motivated. Pandemic motivated. Um, uh, wish somebody a happy birthday? No, no, but that's a great guess. Good guess. Yeah, Dang. that's happening a lot, all these, uh, these birthday parades. I know Greg's partaken in a few of them. Rob, do you know what it is? Is it wash your car? No, not wash the car. 
not wash the car. I, I haven't washed the car, and my parents used to make me wash the car <laughs> in uh, behind the garage. Uh, never put on a pair of Daisy Dukes though while I did it. So I, I made the kids wash the barbecue yesterday. Did you? <laughs> it was hot, and you got the hose on. I'm like, bring that over here. Rinse off this barbecue. <laughs> You gotta put them to work. I gotta come up with something. Kevin, do you know what it Daisy is? Daisy Dukes purge mental image. Purge <laughs> mental image. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say, just sat in their car to get away from everyone in the house. Uh, can you say that again, Kevin? Sat in their car to get away from everybody. Some alone time. Sixteen percent of us have recently sat in the car without going anywhere just to get away from everyone inside the house. You, sir, are correct. Nice. About time. I've been public shamed enough. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you? Are you doing this? Uh, no, I've I've I phoned yesterday and got through a few times, and I was so far off the answer that it was embarrassing. Well, Adam, <laughs> good for you for for getting this one right, man. Is this something that you've had to do during the pandemic? Well, I think my wife's listening, so I'm going to say no. Never. <laughs> 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 yes. Ah, right on, man. Well, hey, Kevin, congratulations. I'm going to put you on hold, and Forte is going to get your details off the air, okay? Thanks a lot. You, you all have a great day. You too, Kevin. Thank you Thank so much. You. Yeah, that's uh, that. I guess if you're if you've got you know a family and everyone's at home because there's been no school, people working from home. Where else do you go to escape other than? And even the bathroom, I would imagine, isn't necessarily an escape because if you, the kids are pounding on the door, Loren, I can't relate to that. But what's it like in your world? Oh, no, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's almost like as soon as you step into the washroom, there's a radar going off. It's like she's behind a door by herself. Let's just go see what she's up to. What else could be happening in that washroom? Like there's just there's just no place to go. I think, though, I'm wondering if some of the people might be, you know, they might go into their car on the driveway to to get a break or it might be the best place to do a phone call or a conference call. I've had to actually do that in the past where you just step into the garage or even in the car because it's quiet and you can also lock the doors and nobody can get in as easily. <laughs> so right on, uh, Kevin, congratulations for that. And if you want to win more stuff, the news with Richard Cloutche and I believe Skylar Peters in this afternoon for Julie Buckingham. They have a large two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia Pizza up for grabs. As well, keep an eye on our social media where you can win a 15-inch two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia, be it Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And hey, you, the last thing you want, Loren, in uh, in a heat wave is no power because that means no air conditioning. And unfortunately, your your automobile, I believe, is uh, maybe without air conditioning right now. Yeah, it's in for a fix right now. Uh, we were talking yesterday about how it was struggling, and and we wondered at some point if it was maybe just struggling because it'd been days on end of this heat, and like the rest of us, I, I kind of felt like, well, maybe my car was just saying, enough, stop putting me out there. But no, it has a problem, and I'm curious how many other people might be having issues in this heat with their AC, and, and what we can maybe do about it to keep our cars better maintained so that when these heat waves come, Brett, we're not stuck without any air conditioning. And so to help us a bit further with this topic, we're joined by Mel Mike Kilmarie. He's the manager at Fort Rouge Auto Centre. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm, well, I'm not too happy about my vehicle right now with its AC. I'm, I'm curious, when you get heat waves like this, do you get more calls about 
people and their air conditioners and, and how they might or might not be working in their cars? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It, it, it seems as soon as the weather, uh, as soon as the heat gets up there uh, is when uh, most people uh, um, have uh, realized that their air conditioning is not blowing how it, uh, it was the prior year because they haven't had to use it as much. So we do get often phone calls and with issues. Yeah, definitely. We had a lot of people telling us yesterday on our text line at 204-780-6868 that it's actually a good idea to periodically run your air conditioning during the winter. Uh, what do you say about that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, it's still it's not going to uh, cool your vehicle off, but uh, definitely turn it on during the winter months. Um, it'll uh, keep the uh, the car fresh. The air conditioner basically also draws the humidity out of the inside of the vehicle, and turning it on will also prevent uh, the air conditioning compressor from uh, from seizing up. It'll it'll let it run and and do its thing. So it's it's not waiting a whole year until it, it turns on again, right? Yeah, because you mentioned that it might be a whole year before you use that, and then that's when For you sure. realize you might have an issue. Is it possible, Mike, in prolonged periods like this to overtax the AC? Or if, if it goes, is that because there was already an underlying issue? Um, there's various reasons why it can go. Um, you know, anywhere from electrical issues to your cooling fans not working. Um, so there's a lot of variables uh, that, that could cause it to stop working. Um, so we, we do get a, a lot of, of calls and, and customers coming in with that concern. And it's, uh, you know, we, we basically book them in for, to do di- a diagnostic on it. And, and then we kind of go from there. Just being there's so many issues that uh, could make it uh, not work how it should. If you are experiencing issues with overheating, like say you've got an older car, once upon a time I drove a 1993 Ford Taurus and it was a piece of junk Mm -hmm. and I hated it and wanted to drive it off a cliff and uh, overheating was a problem and um, I seem to recall that air conditioning was a bad idea with that car. Oh, absolutely. There are certain vehicles, older vehicles, that um, um, the cooling system just can't keep up with with the uh, the temperature outside and and there's different variables with that um but running your ac obviously um will add to the uh to the uh, heat of that of that motor if it's not uh, operating properly you mentioned the the idea that you know one of our listeners suggestions was to run the ac in the winter because that would just get the compressor going and kind of keep the system uh running in the winter just to to i guess freshen it throughout the year so that it's not going that whole year without any use. Another one of the suggestions we got from one of our listeners yesterday was about the air filter or the cabin air filter. And I have to admit, and this is just going to probably make me sound fairly dumb here, Mike, but you know, you go in for that oil change and they often will say, well, it looks like your, your air filter could use a change or this or that. And mm-hmm. I kind of ignore those things and I don't know why, but I feel like I, uh, it's not necessary at that point. It seems like a minor part of the car. How major is it if that is not cleaned properly? Um, well, there's most vehicles. They'll they'll have two filters. You'll have the one that filters uh, for your for your engine itself, and then you have the cabin air filter that's located normally in behind the dash on the inside of the car, and that filters the air that's recirculating coming in to the vehicle, so you don't get the uh, that mildew smell or musty smell, um, and and those tend to fill up with leaves and debris, so that should be checked. Uh, you know, I I would suggest every summer have it checked depending on the amount of uh, uh, you use your air conditioning or if you're constantly parking under trees and you get a lot of leaves over the winter on your vehicle. Uh, when you turn your your uh, heat or your AC on, it'll, it'll just suck all that debris in there. Um, 
and with a dirty filter, you'll get that mildew, musty smell. So it's a good idea to change that. Uh, another listener suggestion yesterday was clean your radiator with a hose, uh, whether it's at the car wash or just use your garden hose. Uh, a lot of people will know what that is. But may, for those who don't know, how what, what, what does that involve? Well, that would be uh, the air conditioning condenser. It, it basically looks like a, a radiator. It sits in front of your radiator, and uh, it, it gets full of debris, bugs, and, and, and so on. And it is definitely a good idea just to take a a peek there and look through your grill. And you can do it with a garden hose and and just clean all that gunk off so you get that airflow uh, into your air conditioning condenser. Mike, I've got a really important question for you here. And sorry, Brett. um, Are you the guy, you know, everyone in life says you need to have a good mechanic in your life and then a good (laughs) accountant. I'm, I'm curious how often you get asked by friends or neighbors if they could just come over here and take a look under the hood for a second. Would you, Mike? Oh, constantly, yes, constantly, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I get that. Family, friends, and uh, even customers that come in and, you know, can you come take a look at this, uh, you know, for, you know, it's a, a nephew or the mom or whoever, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I do to, get that asked quite often. I had to ask because I do have your number now, so it's more of a warning <laughs> for you, Mike, than it really is anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I have no problem. <laughs> well, it's a valuable skill, right? I mean, so many of us know nothing about cars. I every time I take my car, and they say, "Well, we changed these bearings, and uh, this seized up, and uh, we changed this right. here uh, uh, transmogrifier," and I, I say, "Okay, I, yeah." Definitely, and I, and one good tip is, um, and I'm not sure if uh, many people know it, but uh, one good tip is uh, on your uh, your control panel where your heater and your air conditioner is, you have a recirculation button. It basically looks like a little, like an arrow going in a half circle. Um, it's best to keep that on when you're running your air conditioning because that basically takes the air from the inside of the vehicle and cools it, rather than sucking that hot air from the outside. Oh, great idea. Okay, I, I never used that rec- that circulating. T- yeah, so that's basically, say, you can use that as your summertime button. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is away. Just got to quickly mention here, Mike, he was paying attention in our yeah. car segment. I, I referenced, uh, you know, how I know nothing about cars, and when they start saying, oh, you know, we fixed this and did that, and <laughs> you changed your transmogrifier, and uh, Mike said, nice Calvin and Hobbes reference, Brett, the transmogrifier. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the transmogrifier? I don't, but I was going to go with Phalange. I think it was on Friends where <laughs> oh. she was trying to get off the plane. Something's wrong with a Phalange! <laughs> anyway, made Mike, up parts. Yes, I made it up. Well, I... I Calvin made up the transmogrifier. I just threw it into a conversation, and I'm glad that at least one of you caught it. One of the things we're talking about today is speed. The question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. City of Winnipeg may soon study the possibility of lowering the speed limit on residential streets from 50 to 40 or even 30K. What's your preference? And your options are 30K, 40K, or leave it at 50. Unsurprisingly, 81% say leave it at 50. 12.5 say 40, and 7 say 30. Getting lots of text messages in this as well, Loren. Yeah, so one of our listeners texted in to say, Winnipeg has had a problem for the last 20 years being run into the ground by a variety of councillors with their own agendas. The move to lower speed limits is just another example of this backwards thinking. We are not a small prairie town where there is a limited number of traffic control devices and speed limits are often 40K for a reason. Rather, we're a city of over 700,000 that continues to fall behind other comparable municipalities across the country, especially when it comes to traffic management. So 
that was from one listener, Brett. I would point out there are cities all over the world that are looking at this or doing it. We mentioned Edmonton is doing some uh, projects to test 40 kilometer per hour speed limits. So are other cities in other parts of the world. So I, I don't know if we're falling behind. We might, we might be behind if we don't take a look at this. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't personally have a problem with it. Uh, we have somebody here saying, "Did you read the cruise control one, by the way?" Nope. Okay, sorry. I was uh, trying to trying to. You were. You, I saw that you sent a text about our air conditioning topic, and, um, and it didn't send. So I was trying to get it to resend. So I was yeah. stuck on that. I use the cruise control, says this listener, to ensure I maintain the speed limit and am able to watch for vehicles and people at thirty kilometers an hour. I will need to keep the eyes on the odometer, increasing the likelihood of hitting someone or a vehicle. In arguing for a reduced speed limit, I have yet to hear anyone provide stats on the number of collisions, injuries, and casualties on Winnipeg's residential streets. And that is an inter- a good point, a valuable point as well, Loren, because when I go through a school zone, I find that I really do have to pay attention to the speed because it doesn't take much to suddenly find yourself, oh, I'm at 38, I've got to slow down. I'm at 39, got to slow down. Uh, and you're not paying attention to the road. You're just making sure that you're, you don't get above 33 kilometers an hour. Which is why the argument could be maybe we need to have a more uniform speed limit then. So it's not suddenly going from 50 to 30. Maybe it's all 30 because that that's part of the possibility too. Maybe it's not just 40. They might even consider looking at 30. And I think you mentioned that idea of when the when the speeds fluctuate all over the place on one street, you are paying more attention and, and therefore you, you're looking at your odometer not on the road. And so I, I hear that argument. I would like to see some data. That's why they're going to examine three streets, look at three streets, pull that data, tell us if it's made a difference in collisions or others. That's what I want to hear. Show me that it works. And then I'm right on board. McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is away. We had a conversation earlier today. Where would your ideal day trip take you? Because we can't really leave the province. I guess we can. But uh, if you want to stay in the province, Uliana says Hunt Lake Trail in West Hawk is the best. Another listener says Old Pinawa Dam is a good day trip. Lovey says Steep Rock is an awesome day trip to see the cliffs and enjoy the gorgeous water. Well, Loren, it just so happens that one of our colleagues is, I think, the kingpin of day trips. Who are we talking about? Well, I hadn't heard this title before, the kingpin, but I have heard of this next individual. Uh, He goes by the name in my phone, Booker T. Jones. (laughs) That's a story for another time. But I would like to bring on Tristan Field Jones because, as I understand it, from storm chasing to weekend wanderings, he's our go-to guy. Good morning, Tristan. Hello. You know, I'm I'm so glad I'm spending some of my vacation time on the morning show with Loren McNabb and Brett McGarry. It's just been an absolute pleasure. You're on vacation. I didn't even know that. So that is extra nice of you to, to hop on with us, Tristan. But seriously, you do like to get out of the city as much as you can. And, and whether it's uh, looking at the clouds or the skies or going for some fun little trips, you seem to have kind of a wanderlust going on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think it, 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 you know, honestly, it all started with, you know, me wanting to be, to get into better shape. And it was, for me, it was as simple as just doing a Google search. I, the province has a fantastic web page where they list all the provincial parks. And you'd be amazed at the things you can do within a two hour drive of the city. Uh, you know, of course, you have to double that for the round trip, but it's just, it's. I really think that that's where it started because, you know, and 
obviously nowadays with the pandemic, I can't work out in the gym anymore. So it's become even more important to keep my physical activity up, to go out and to just explore and to enjoy the outdoors. Well, you can work out in a gym if you want, but uh, you have, if I look at your social media, your Instagram, for example, it's just a a steady stream of either storm chasing pictures or these amazing little spots that you find for your hikes. So for example, uh, we had a lot of people saying the white shell is great for hiking. Is that a spot where you visited? Absolutely. Yeah. White shell is a really good place because there's tons of trails there. And there are there are uh, there are varying difficulty. I know you mentioned in the intro there that uh, Hunt Lake is a really popular one. I haven't done the Hunt Lake Trail, but from what I've read, it, it it's pretty lengthy. I think it's over ten kilometers, if I'm not mistaken. So that one's a trail that will take several hours, probably a full day. But what's great is that you know maybe a couple minutes drive away from there, you can find a trail that might take you only an hour and a half or two hours. Uh, one of my all-time favorites that's uh, not too, too far from there is McGillivray Falls, where uh, even if you choose not to do the whole trail, uh, it, it starts off very near the entrance where there's these beautiful rapids and kind of waterfalls that sort of come down these rocks from the very beginning. And again, what's great is that it, you don't have to hike for you know an hour or two to get to see this. You can just go there and take a look at it. And, and, Brett, you mentioned about the White Shell. Well, one of the great things about the White Shell is that there are so many great cafes and restaurants in West Hawk Lake and Falcon Lake that once you finish your hike, you can go and grab a bite to eat afterwards. And that's, you know, you're talking an hour and a half drive from from the city. So it's, it's again, it's just, it's a great, it's a great place to spend a day and it's not going to cost you a ton. You're speaking my language here. It's only an hour and a half. I don't necessarily have to hike. And I can eat before, during, and after. So I appreciate all those factors, Tristan. White shells come up often this morning in people's favorite, Manitobans' favorite day trips if they're leaving from uh, Winnipeg, for example. What else is out there for you uh, when you go looking? Like, what's the kind of criteria you like to hit to make it a good day trip? Um, well, yeah, well, like, for me, it's, it's, I prefer that the drive be, you know, within, in one way, within two and a half hours. Which, again, it's something like for those types of trips, it means you don't have to get up super early in the morning. So if you're not, and I'm not really much of a morning person. So what's great is that let's say you're driving two hours to somewhere, you can leave the city at 11 a.m. or noon if you want and do a hiking trail for a couple hours and then find somewhere to eat nearby and still be home before the sun sets. Um, One of my favorite locations that I think is a bit of a hidden gem it's called uh, the Pemina Valley Provincial Park. It's uh, south of Morden. It's right near the U.S. border. And uh, the Pemina River uh, goes through, kind of carved this, this small valley that if you're driving along these highways, it's one of these kind of prairie valleys where it comes out of nowhere. We're so used to this vast, flat landscape with the occasional rolling hill. And yet these valleys will, you'll be driving and suddenly you'll start going down pretty far. And then you'll be in the middle of this valley that's usually uh, where, you know, beneath the topsoil, you can see like clay and limestone and all sorts of things. And it's just these gorgeous little spots like this. And the Pemina Valley is a perfect example of that where it's, again, it's right nestled near the U.S. border. 
but you get these spectacular views of a river that's carved all this area out. And what's great is that, you know, uh, kind of like the white shell, all you need to do is drive quickly to, if you want to grab a bite to eat afterwards, just drive to Morden or drive to Winkler. And there's places there to do that so that you're not, you know, if you're super hungry after hiking, which most people will be, frankly, it takes next to no time to go and, and grab something to, to eat to, to fuel up, if you will. What about your storm chasing travels, Tristan? Uh, like, how long have you, first of all, how long have you been storm chasing? Uh, well, I started storm chasing, I guess, with the, the course offered at the University of Manitoba. That was back in 2009. Um, so I guess over 10 years, if we look at it uh, that way. Okay, so you started uh, almost 10 years ago. And uh, how many park corners of southern Manitoba have you seen as a result of this? Uh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I've been to almost every corner as a result of storm chasing. Um, it's, you know, I, um, I, I need to look at a map to think about it. It's, it's one of those things that, that's kind of a different activity on its own because it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, um, and, and that kind of makes it really interesting because you're not necessarily going to a destination. You're trying to figure out where the storms are. And as anyone who knows a tiny bit about weather will tell you, you know, those storms, they don't, uh, they don't follow borders. They don't follow roads. They don't follow certain things. So you need to try and figure out the best place to intercept them and do it as safely as possible. Um, and, you know, you need to, you could end up who knows where. I mean, I'll use this as a quick example. On my storm chasing trip for the U of M, we ended up doing like a full week in the U.S., and there's one particular day where we started off in this town called Glendive, Montana. And uh, we ended up following these storms. And somehow, we, we don't know at, at what point we ended up here, but we were in South Dakota. And we had been so focused on the storms that we had no idea how we got there. So there, there are times where you can be, especially if, if again, you're, you're doing something like that, where you're not following a highway or following a border or whatever it may be. There are times where you can just end up where wherever it may be, and you might realize, well, wait a minute, what am I doing in in this town? But you know, fortunately, we all have maps on our phones, so it's much tougher to get lost nowadays. Curious with these travels, Tristan, and particularly with the storm chasing, we we hear of a lot of Americans coming into Manitoba at certain points in the year when we might be in our peak or when they hear of different weather events moving. But I also know a lot of people who are doing this now, friends in in Brandon who might, you know, pay a a local storm chaser to join up with them a couple times a year because of just their interest uh, in the weather patterns and phenomena. Have you seen more people out there doing this? Uh, It's not just for a handful anymore. Yes, absolutely. I would say that um, oftentimes when I'm out storm chasing and I would say when I started this, uh, you know, even when I, I started doing way more frequently here in Manitoba, you know, you would occasionally see somebody at the side of the road. But especially nowadays with um, with the phones getting better and better and, you know, with even just the low end phones having great cameras, it's even that's kind of the whole point when you're out storm chasing is to take pictures uh, and to kind of observe the storm. And, you know, nowadays everybody has a great camera on hand. So increasingly people are going out there and taking pictures of these, of these storms. 
Now, uh, there's, of course, a downside to that. I was fortunate because I took a course and I was taught by professionals and meteorologists at Environment Canada who really knew what they were doing. There's a lot of people out there who it might just be luck or it might just be a matter of they see a storm and go for it. And there, there is a bit of an art to it. So one of the things to be aware of is that, you know, a lot of the people who are storm chasers who have some sort of training in this are aware of kind of the, the intricacies of how a storm forms and that sort of thing. And it's it's way more complicated than just, oh, look, there's a cloud. Let's go chase it. You know, it's funny, Tristan, you mentioned uh, even on low-end phones, uh, there's a good camera on there. And I'm, I guess mm-hmm. you're, you're probably speaking from experience because right after you said that, your phone cut out. So I guess you must have one of those low-end phones that happens to have a good <laughs> camera as well, right? Uh, well, that's funny you should mention that. Yeah, I got a, the, the latest iPhone SE, the budget phone, because I was, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to spend a million dollars on a phone and it has great, great uh, you know, it has a decent camera and that sort of thing, but whatever. Well, I mean, that's fine. Tristan, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, hey, when for your next hike, I guess I actually, it would be suitable for me to tell you on the air. Tristan Field-Jones, take a hike, would you? I will, Brett. Thank you so much. That's really thoughtful. This has <laughs> been, been such sit- a fun experience. He's been sitting <laughs> on that one for about four and a half hours now, Tristan, so... Yeah. Just okay. give it a sigh. Take a hike, Tristan, <laughs> and have a good weekend. Okay. <laughs> TFJ, Tristan Field <laughs> Jones. He lo- Honestly, follow him on social media, yes. TristanFJ90 uh, on Twitter. And, uh, or it's, hang on a second. I think it's TristanFJ90 on Instagram. And uh, Tristan. I don't have his handle in front of me. Whatever. Look up Tristan Field Jones on Twitter and on Instagram, and you'll find his pictures. He's got some amazing stuff. He's been to some really cool places in southern Manitoba, and he'll give you some ideas. You'll get some ideas from his trips and where you can go. And thank you for all the text messages you've sent us with your suggestions, uh, such as, uh, where was the, I I have nothing in front of me here, Loren. Every time I go to look for a handle, it's not there. I look for a text, it's not there. Tim did this. Some of the day trips we did last year, Elma, Seven Sisters, Pinawa, Lactubani, Pine Falls, all in one day. Oh, wow. I like it. We had another listener text in this morning that their wife had had planned to take the kids to Clear Lake this week for vacation, but, you know, rain events and others, there were some cancellations, and so they had to compromise. They ended up at a hotel in Brandon and did a bunch of day trips from there, Uh, got out to Source, that swinging bridge we were talking about. So lots of different things you can do from different points in the province. And, hey, that'd be a good tip, too. If you're listening from, you know, it's not just day trips from Winnipeg, people going all over the place, let us know. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.